The Okie Geek Podcast is brought to you by Okie Comics, an anthology publication showcasing the talents of Oklahoma creators with stories featuring Oklahoma. Copies are available at Got Games in Dell City, Green Bambino, Paseo Plunge, and My Chic Geek in Oklahoma City, and Waving Wheat Bakery and Bistro in Norman, as well as your favorite comic book store and nearest library. You can find out more locations and more information at okiecomics.com. Greetings and salutations, my fellow geeks, and welcome to episode 248 of the Okie Geek Podcast, brought to you by Okie Comics. I'm Michael Cross. A new exhibition in Oklahoma City turns its focus on the art form of video games. The exhibit called Open World kicked off this past weekend at Oklahoma Contemporary at its new location in downtown OKC and runs through February 21st. The new program includes artwork, but also special events over the next four months. Here to talk about it are artistic director Jeremiah Matthew Davis and marketing and design manager Marie Butterline. Jeremiah Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Michael. It's great to be here. That's it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, so tell us about Open World. What's this all about? Sure. Open World, Contemporary Art and Video Games, as the title would suggest, explores the intersection and cross-pollination uh, between video game technology, design, production, history, mm -hmm. and the world of contemporary art. Uh, there have been several exhibitions, very prominent ones, in the last 25 years or so that explore video games as art. Uh, but this one takes a different approach where it is uh, engaging with the idea of contemporary art production, making and interpreting the world uh, around us. Uh, in this case, though, many of the artists are either using the tools of video games to create their art or directly referencing specific video game uh, characteristics, characters, titles, uh, and so on. So um, it's a unique spin, something for the video game lover uh, at, at your house, and also something for people who are, are fond of contemporary art, sculpture, uh, new media, things like that. It's not often that people think about art in video games, but it's full of art. And so how is it trying to convince people that, that, that this is truly contemporary art? I think that... Uh, one only needs step through the exhibition to be convinced that we're dealing with uh, artistic media. Um, in my opinion, and I, I, Marie is here as our resident expert in video games. So she will chime in at any moment to correct me if I run astray. I don't want to get called out by your uh, Oki Geek fans for inaccurate <laughs> Uh, but the, the idea, uh, of course, that video games are art is not a new one, but it met resistance early on um, in a different timeline of video games. You know, in the 1990s, there were the culture wars. People were worrying that video games would rot your brain. Of course, that echoed uh, similar disputes with, with other emerging technologies like television, like radio, mm -hmm. uh, even like mass media in the 19th century. So, of course, those complaints are not new. A new technology comes around and it typically is is uh, is called as bad for kids or it's, it's potentially dangerous to society. Uh, of course, we now know that video games can actually be a tool for learning, for education, for developing hand-eye coordination. Um, they're not, of course, uh, benign entirely. There's certain aspects of video games that could be considered dangerous or harmful. And there actually are, are some critiques of specific video games or uh, game approaches in the exhibition. 
but not ones about video games writ large. I think on balance, the, the show is very pro-biased toward video games as both an art form uh, and a pop cultural phenomenon. But to your original question of, of being convinced, look, a video game requires, even a simple one, requires so many highly talented, trained people working together to create uh, sound, graphics, playability, multiple components that we would recognize as art. Uh, and I think the Supreme Court perhaps has laid those arguments to rest when it ruled, I believe in 2013, that video games deserve free speech protection, just like every other art form. And indeed, that calls back to an earlier era where film, when, when films were first developing in the early part of the 20th century, they were not considered protected free speech. They weren't considered a quote art form. They were seen as marketing or as a technology. Uh, but not as art. And of course, now uh, very few people, I think, would dispute cinema as an art form. And I think video games are going along that trajectory as well. Um, but for those who are on, on this podcast, probably very few listeners, but for those listeners who are skeptical of video games, artistic capacity or quality, I think, again, setting foot into the Kirkpatrick main gallery will put any of those uh, fears or uh, concerns to rest. When we talk about uh, video games, we're not only talking about the, the visual component, but there's also music. Uh, there's other right. art forms within the video game itself. Are we, are you, do you guys deal into that, or is it mostly just based off the visual aspect of video games? Oh, it's certainly all-encompassing. Okay. Uh, I think I grew up playing arcade games uh, at the arcade. I think they barely exist outside of bars these days. But uh, I went to Aladdin's castle all the time and, uh, you know, I would save money up so I could spend a bunch of quarters dropping into Street Fighter 2, uh, Cruising USA, a number of other old school titles. Uh, so I, I think that the sound that you remember from the arcade is just this cacophonous uh, stream of beeps and buzzes and whirls and, and, uh, and music. The gallery replicates that experience. So you have... Uh, you have works of sculpture, you have works of, uh, of design, of uh, highly skilled drawing and etching using older techniques, as well as actual playable video games, mm -hmm. including uh, a hacked version of Hogan's Alley, the old school Nintendo Entertainment System title from the mid 80s oh. um, by Cory Archangel. He's hacked the game and changed the title to uh, I Shot Andy Warhol. <laughs> and it's actually a shooter game with uh, you, the, the target should be Andy Warhol. And your aim is to not shoot Colonel Sanders, Flava Flav, and the Pope. So um, that's a case of an artist literally hacking a game uh, and making it playable in a similar way, but changing the graphics and, and playing with some of the playability. But I want to kick it over to Marie because I think she might have a much more sophisticated a nuanced take on how the, the different elements of video games are uh, are being interpreted in the exhibition. Right, Maria, and I was also going to ask you about the same thing about music. I mean, nobody can go through life, even if you've never played a video game, without recognizing Zelda and Mario, the soundtracks right. that, that accompany those. Absolutely. My, my text message alert is the Mario mm -hmm. coin beep, and it's been that way for <laughs> 10 years, ever since I've had yes. a cell phone. So sounds, music, everything. There's the piece with the storytelling where they edited um, the Second Life. The, yeah, the Alicia Washko, uh, yes. Yeah, so you can sit and watch however many episodes of someone who sat and edited storyline into using that uh, 
engine into creating a story. It, it's, I haven't gone through the whole list yet, but I will, but before we end. Yeah. You, uh, you had your opening weekend. We talked a little bit about this before the show started. How did the opening weekend go this past weekend? Uh, I'll tell you, Michael, it was a blast. I was here on Saturday uh, just getting some work done, and the galleries were full. People were playing the various games. They were engaging with the works. Uh, it was really a, a beautiful sight to see. Uh, we also had uh, a rental wedding on Saturday, and I heard that uh, the guests were also excited to play some of the old-school cabinet arcade games that we have in our lobby. So. Uh, we had really strong attendance. Uh, it was it was great for us to see, and so far, really positive feedback. And yes, this attracted, I think, a younger crowd. Uh, however, it was great to see people of all ages, all backgrounds, uh, both on the opening event and then over the weekend. Lots of families, uh, lots of uh, friend groups coming through for uh, you know a fun afternoon out. So I, I think that this exhibition lends itself to uh, a variety of different. Uh, experiences so if you're looking if you've got five six people in your family or friend group and you're looking to do something uh, this is a great way to satisfy the various different appetites that people might have and of course once you're on site for the exhibition you can see our other exhibition in the building on view abstract remix we have uh, an installation by crystal z campbell that's still on view as well as sculptures outside the building two massive uh sculptures by uh, Marie, uh, uh, Marin Hassinger in the front of our building in our sculpture garden. And then in Campbell Art Park, we also have a large installation by Chikaya Booker. So the entire building, the whole campus is really packed with art right now. And Marie, Jer Jeremiah just talked about a younger crowd, but really when we talk about it, I'm 52 years old and I remember as a very young child playing Pong. Uh, I remember, of course, spending way too many quarters in the 80s uh, in my local arcade. And so for us, the Gen Xers, this this is our generation and 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 anyone who comes after us. Absolutely. I think part of it is a nostalgia trip uh, coming in and seeing Mario and Zelda, you know, those kinds of things coming in. And then for the newer generation, um, Minecraft and all of the new uh, games that are out there, open world type games. It's a different I, I think it's a good mix of different generations coming together. Absolutely. We had an excellent, to your point, Michael, we had an excellent photo opportunity where we had a, a group of ladies, uh, very stylish with their hair, their gray hair bob, just so <laughs> probably septuagenarians uh, at the game playing, getting all in on uh, the, the two arcade style games that we have in the learning gallery. So you're right at this point, uh, you know, really the video game. Uh, for all intents and purposes, is invented in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. Of course, it doesn't gain popularity until really the early to mid-70s. So at this point, we're talking about um, over 50 years of video game history. So numerous generations are enjoying it. And in fact, the you know some of the, the, the inherited wisdom is that you know video games are for kids. That's, of course, not true. It may have been true 30 years ago. Uh, or 40 years ago, but even then, a lot, plenty of adults were playing. But now 65% of American adults play video games on a regular basis. So this is something that people are engaging with. It's a way of, uh, it's of storytelling, of creative play, of engaging interactively with a work of art. Um, and in fact, with the, the rise of mobile devices, mm -hmm. phones, tablets, and so on, many more women have begun to play video games than was true, say, 30, 40 years ago. So you really have a diverse 
audience for video games. And I think that's reflected in so far in what we've seen with our attendance. It's really people from all walks of life uh, excited to see something that they love, that they are interested in, that they play on a regular basis reflected on the walls of a, of a gallery. Which is really the beauty of contemporary art is it should reach out to a, a multitude of people from different walks of life and different genders, different sex, different uh, ages, so that we can all kind of come together and have this shared moment with each other. Absolutely, Michael. And, and that's really what Oklahoma Contemporary mm-hmm. uh, values is bringing people together, providing a space for the exchange of ideas between artists, audiences, thinkers, looking to reflect on our time. You know, the, the contemporary art is, is living art. It's art created by people who are here with us experiencing the same things. And uh, that gives us the opportunity to have really relevant conversations with our audiences and also have a lot of fun while we're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, tell me about these. Uh, yeah, I think you have like, was it four or five events coming up in the next few months about this? Yeah, we have multiple uh, programming connected with the exhibition. Uh, they're including uh, actual a, a video game class that we're developing in conversation with some professors at Oklahoma City University. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really exciting uh, for our studio school. On November 13th, uh, I'm particularly excited about Game Fest. Uh, game Fest is part of our uh, second Saturday family fun day programming. Uh, we'll have lots of video games for people to play. We're also inviting uh, several experts from uh, the field of video game design to have a conversation. There's going to be some fun uh, fight choreography uh, demonstrations inspired by some of the classic fighting games like Street Fighter II. So um, anybody who's into video games, to uh, design, even in this case to cosplay, I think there'll be a lot of fun uh, to be had. It is a... It is a family event, so it's really welcome to all ages, people of all backgrounds. But within the day, there's a few things that are programmed here and there that might appeal more to kids, more to adults. So really something for everybody. Marie, is there anything else you're excited about coming up? Uh, I think Game Fest. Yeah, number exactly one. What we're talking about. <laughs> yes. uh, I've invited every single person on my Facebook friends list so far. Nice. <laughs> um, trivia on the December 16th, we have Trivia with the Lost Oval, video game trivia. Um, I'm hoping to whip everyone at that. <laughs> uh, I'm studying, uh, <laughs> making sure my husband and I come in and uh, do a good job. Wreck shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so, also uh, something in February, right? Yes, thank you for mentioning that. And that's perhaps more novel uh, than some of the other programs that we have. We launched a partnership this year with the Oklahoma Virtuosi Chamber Orchestra. And they're uh, working with us on a series of six concerts this uh, fall and spring. We had our first one in September. Uh, Our next one is coming up in November. And the February performance is inspired by Open World. Uh, So it's called uh, Game of Love. So it's going to be a tie-in between Open World and Valentine's Day because the concert is on February 13th, just ahead of the holiday. Uh, So that is, uh, again, a way of musicians, uh, music, composers directly responding to the exhibition. Um, And indeed, all of the six concerts are meaningfully engaging with our programming or our exhibitions. So it's a really nice tie-in, and it's a great way for us to serve 
um, as both uh, a site for the performance to host the virtuosi, uh, but also to allow them uh, to gain some inspiration from some of the work that we're doing, creating a really nice cross-pollination between visual arts and music and performance. So if someone just shows up, uh, what can people expect to see as they walk in? Marie, I'm interested on in your take. What, <laughs> what's your experience when you walk in the gallery? Uh, definitely fall back to nostalgia um, to walk in. And then th this is really my two worlds colliding. So <laughs> art and gaming, it's kind of mind-blowing to see the two things come together. But the, the things that I heard from the folks that came to the opening is our, uh, how it really was for everyone. It wasn't just um, for the gamer or for the art lover. It, it really catered to both uh, both aesthetics, both folks that came in. Um, we had, I think in the learning gallery, it was a lot of fun. We have a few different spaces where people can interact and make their own video game character out of cut paper and different things like that. Um, one of the interactive uh, events and uh, places in there is how would you, you know, if you could invent a video game to help solve a world problem, what would it be? And there's lots of really great ideas in there to help you know, how can we help the world with video games? Marie, I'm so glad that you mentioned the Learning Gallery. Yeah. It's not something that we've mentioned yet. Every exhibition we present, we have this space directly adjacent to the gallery that provides space for interpretation, uh, really creating different pathways, different points of access for audiences to engage with the art, the ideas, the materials that are present. Um, inside the gallery. Mm -hmm. So uh, really, you know, an exciting way for people to uh, get their hands on either by literally playing a video game, thinking about a video game's design, learning about the history of video games. Uh, it's a, and this particular iteration in response to open world is really fun, engaging. Again, over the weekend when I was in, in uh, the building, there were so many people playing, uh, drawing, writing, reading the, the texts on the walls. So really a, a space for, for learning, for engagement, for uh, taking a deep dive into the world of the exhibition. Uh, but I think when you walk into the main gallery, in addition to nostalgia, uh, and earlier you know, I mentioned that it has, to me it recalls the experience of uh, walking through an old school arcade, although perhaps without the sticky floors, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it's colorful you will recognize certain video game characters for the savvy visitor we've got a couple of easter eggs throughout the building that you can uh, hunt for including one in the gallery that'll probably give you a nice hit of nostalgia um, and I, I should mention you know there's three playable interactive components inside the exhibition so in addition to i shot andy warhol which i mentioned um, there's night journey by the contemporary artist bill viola who uh, is a considered a very serious contemporary artist. And he actually worked with the game design department at USC to create this wow. game, which some gamers who are into fast paced uh, action games, mm -hmm. run and gun, you know, beat em ups, maybe not for them. It's really about slowing down, meditating. You're rewarded by uh, slowing down, not by speeding up. Oh, wow. So much more contemplative, meditative experience than you might normally get from a video game. Um, and the one really, which I think just brings the house down is uh, Long March by the artist Feng Mengbo. Uh, the uh, artist is based in China and the world that he's creating in this video, playable video game is in response to the history of uh, the Chinese Civil War 
The Long March is a reference to the Red Army's retreat uh, led by Mao Zedong uh, from the Nationalist Army uh, in the 1930s. So there is a general character that's playable and he's launching projectiles uh, that explode, which are cans of Coca-Cola. Uh, and what he's playing through is highly recognizable platformer games from primarily the 1980s and early 1990s. Contra, Street Fighter II, Super Mario Brothers, uh, Double Dragon. So it's a, it's a great way to have a different experience of going through video games. Um, and the way that it's set up is it's in a giant room with uh, eight short throw projectors, so massive screens. You're playing on one side, and then when you pass through uh, the goal and head to the next level, it flips. And so you turn to the other side. And on the opposite side from the big playable game, you have a close-up of just the general. So it's a really interesting, immersive, and dynamic experience going back and forth and playing. So that's, that one is not to be missed and very fun. Uh, but then, you know, we also have, for example, some works by Butt Johnson that he's doing these really old school uh, engraving, you know, high renaissance uh, engraving techniques and, and detailed drawings. Uh, you might from across the room see one of his works and think, that's just some old map. What's this doing in the exhibition? The closer you get to it, you realize that uh, instead of these sea monsters and leviathans that used to populate the old school maps from you know, European maps from four or 500 years ago, their characters from Street Fighter II and Mortal Kombat with Goro front and center <laughs> in the, the bottom of the composition. And also with uh, references to art historical figures like Hans Holbein. So again, that's where you have this link from contemporary art, art history and video games that I, I find just so compelling. How much does it cost to come to this exhibit? I'm so glad you asked, Michael. The answer to that is our exhibitions uh, are always free to the public. So admission is free. We are a 501c3. If you find it uh, a fun, engaging experience, we always welcome donations to help keep exhibitions free. Uh, but if you want to bring your friend group, your family, uh, your parents, your neighbors, uh, admission is free. That's fantastic. What uh, if, uh, if I want to go through hours because I want to talk about location in just a bit. But tell me about the hours. When are your hours? Our hours are uh, pretty standard week to week. Mm -hmm. A big one to note is on Thursdays, we're open late. Thursday nights, typically we have programs that uh, are available. They might be a performance. It could be an artist talk. It could be an artist demo. So we're open until 9 p.m. on Thursdays, 11 to 9. Tuesdays, we're closed to the public. The rest of the days of the week, you can experience uh, everything the institution has to offer from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's wonderful. Now, the reason I wanted to wait for location is because you guys have a brand new location. Um, yeah. Tell us where the location is, and I just want to hear about what you guys think about your new space. Oh, absolutely. So our uh, new address is 11 Northwest 11th Street in downtown Oklahoma City, 73103. Uh, we are on the streetcar stop, the Broadway streetcar stop at 11th Street. Uh, we're a short walk from the bus stop at 13th. And of course, you can uh, get here by scooter, by bike, by car. Uh, and if there are questions from your listeners, yes, we have plenty of parking, not to worry there. And so uh, your new location in automobile alley, you just got there, was it a year ago or, or a year and a half? Some recently. I know yes, you guys just moved in there. We did, yes. We were slated uh, to open, Michael, on March 12th, 2020. Mm. Oh. Uh, you, 
you may recall uh, the, the March 11th, the day before that, was when Rudy Gobert tested positive mm-hmm. uh, while, pl- while the Jazz were visiting uh, the Thunder. And that really began uh, a different conversation in terms of what, uh, what we would come to be the pandemic. So the morning of the 12th, the, you know, we've been working for 10 years to celebrate the opening of this building. We elected, after consulting with our medical advisors, uh, we elected to close down. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were shuttered for about four months, and finally we came back online in limited capacity. And I'm happy to report that as of today, we're really rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. So uh, our studio school classes and workshops are on and uh, available every session in person and virtual. Camp Contemporary is back. All of our programs, like Thursday Night Late, Second Saturday, we're doing those in person as well as uh, just coming to experience the exhibitions or have a, a, a nice session reading a, a book from our uh, contemporary art library in our creative lounge or having lunch in our cafe uh, or picking up some really cool video game swag in our retail shop. So we're fully open uh, those hours that I mentioned previously, most days 11 to 6, closed Tuesdays and open late until 9 p.m. on Thursdays. So. Um, it is a beautiful building for those who haven't been. I really encourage you come on by. Um, it's easy to drop in just even if you have 30 minutes on a lunch break. There's a, a, a great a little uh, snack sized bites of art that you can experience to put a little more pep in your step for the rest of your day. Um, but I'm interested. Marie joined us after we'd opened, so she didn't experience the, the glory days of the, <laughs> the Oklahoma State Fairgrounds yes. iteration. Of Oklahoma Contemporary. We, we loved that building into disrepair, so we, we needed to build ourselves a new one. Uh, but Marie, what, what's it like for you working in this, uh, this new facility? Uh, well, it's what I loved about college. So to come to the space <laughs> where everyone, you know, we have art spaces and uh, it's our people, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like it's our people we can get together. And especially now with everything going on with the open world, it's um, really, both nostalgia for the gaming and for college. I mean, this yeah. is where uh, art classes and you can get creatives that come together and just making, whether it's a big you know project that'll take a year or something where it's a you know a program where you're spending a couple hours in one of our um, late night uh, workshops or something like that. So it's um, everything art. Yes, yes, it's which a cool is always important. Yeah. Which would be amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure it was even amazing back in the, in the old building of state fairgrounds, but now you're in this new space and it's just wonderful because this is what Oklahoma contemporary really is supposed is what you guys wanted to do was to be able to reach to the public, to as many people as possible. And now being down in automobile alley, this really obvious location with great parking. You guys can really reach all of, of central Oklahoma pretty much. That's right. Uh, absolutely, Michael. And we really uh, consider ourselves a resource for the entire state of Oklahoma and the region. Uh, we get visitors every week. We get visitors from outside the metro. Uh, just last week, in fact, there was uh, a, a lovely woman traveling across the country uh, from Colorado to Florida uh, by herself. And she decided to stop in specifically in Oklahoma City just to see Oklahoma Contemporary. So she was looking at places uh, to to visit along her route. She found us and decided that this was the one place in Oklahoma City that she would visit on her her route to Florida. So it's an honor for us to hear stories like that, where we can really see the impact and the reach 
um, that happens, of course, in our own community here in central Oklahoma, but also uh, points far beyond that. So exactly. uh, upcoming in 2023, we do have an exhibition, Art Now, uh, that's biennial, and that always features artists from every corner of the state. Mm -hmm. So we really see ourselves uh, as a state resource, as a place where the people of Oklahoma can come uh, together in celebration of, of creativity, of the human experience, and of contemporary art. So uh, thank you for that. And it's uh, it's really, it's, it's our pleasure and our honor to be able to provide those fun experiences for people to both learn, to engage, uh, and to be in a creative environment. Yes, exactly. Hey, so where can people find out more information about Oklahoma Contemporary and Open World? OKContemp.org and go to reserve tickets. Wonderful. And uh, are you guys on social media as well? Facebook, uh, Twitter, et cetera, Instagram, I'm sure. <laughs> at OK Contemporary. That's wonderful. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yep, at OK Contemporary. Hit us up. We don't have a TikTok yet, but Marie might have something to say about that. <laughs> so stay tuned. Hey, it's the new big thing. I, I still don't understand it. I watch it every now and then, I, but I, I, yes, I've not been able to get into it as much, so... Right. Guys, thank you so very much for, for joining me. And I look, wish you all the best of luck over the next few months uh, showing out Open World. Hey, thanks, Michael. We love what you do on Okie Geek. Keep it going. And thank you so much for inviting us to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You bet. Have a great day. So that's going to do it for our show. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Okie Geek Podcast. That's also the address for our Gmail account. Would love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at KOSU Michael C. And do you or someone you know have an event coming up? Well, please let us know so we can talk about it on our show. You can find us on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. Be sure and subscribe, rate us, and leave a comment. Until next time, along with Jeremiah Matthew Davis and Marie Butterline, I'm Michael Cross, reminding you to keep calm and geek on. <laughs>